Hey guys, Pete Mundo. Thanks for downloading this week's radio show in the podcast form. Appreciate that a lot. And we also appreciate when you rate, review, and subscribe to the uh, podcast. You know, it helps us out a lot. And we'll send you a free koozie for your hard work. I know it's going to, it's, it's, Backbreaking labor, so we'll send you a koozie. All you got to do is email me, Pete Mundo, M U N D O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. A screenshot of your rating and review. We'll get the koozie in the mail. Enjoy the show, guys. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. Shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53 yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes down, stars come out. It's a- they just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. Locked it down the middle for Rodney. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. It's a touchdown! So I fully understand that, you know, National Signing Day, having the early signing period is good for the players. But tell me you're not with me here that just at least a small part of you misses the old school National Signing Day. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us for another week of shows. We appreciate it. We are desperately missing the football scene, but we got a lot of Good basketball stuff going on as well. Uh, Matthew Postens, our own insider, he's going to join us. We're going to have a great conversation later on in the show. So look forward to that. But, you know, with signing day a couple weeks away, I was going through some of the numbers today and looking at all the Big 12 teams and who stood where and whatnot. And I got a little nostalgic. You know, it's like the grass is always greener, right? We always want what we don't have. It's human nature. And when we had the early signing period, we thought to ourselves, geez, you know, these kids should be able to lock it up before Christmas. They should be allowed to get things done uh, before the second semester, enroll early when they want to do that, and move on with their lives. And I agree. You know, the system now is better for the student-athlete. I believe that. But I also sit here, you know, two weeks before National Signing Day, and I don't have those those jitters anymore. Getting the throw on ESPNU and see uh, all the top players. Who are they going to go to? Where are they going to go? How are they going to unveil their news and whatnot? The excitement's gone a little bit. So I was looking at some of the numbers, too, and just saying, okay, who needs what? Who needs to recruit what? And it's very interesting. You know, as you go down the list in the Big 12, OU, Texas, TCU, basically solid with 23 to 25 guys even Baylor's got 23 commits as well but it's like become that signing day is now more for the teams near the bottom of the rankings you know because the top teams have their guys the top teams they've got their 23 to anywhere up to 28 in Alabama's case they got all their commitments you know Clemson's got 27 Oregon's got 25 uh, A&M's got 25. They're all good to go. So now it's the guys at the bottom 
of the totem pole that are battling for whoever's left. I mean, out of the top 10 guys on 24-7, they're all decided. They've all signed outside of the number 10 guy, Darnell Wright, who is an offensive tackle. Outside of that, everybody's gone. And by the way, three of them are going to Alabama. Go figure. But now as you look at the Big 12 and you say, okay, who's got what left? Who needs what? I look at Oklahoma State. They got 21 commits. They're fifth, according to 24-7. That's who I use. And then you have Iowa State at 20, West Virginia 16, Texas Tech 15, Kansas State 16, Kansas has 10. So you have basically the bottom half of each conference, so the Power Five, battling for whoever's left. You know, in a weird way, it's kind of the opposite of how I thought this would go down, to be totally honest. I thought that the new system would allow teams like Texas Tech and West Virginia to lock in guys who, you know, let's say they were three-star players, right? They were three-star recruits, but they have a big senior year, and all of a sudden Alabama starts looking at them maybe. You're Oklahoma or Texas to keep it in the Big 12. And West Virginia's like, hey, I've been recruiting this kid for two years now, and you're going to swoop in at the last minute and try to steal him in January and February. I thought the system would help the non-traditional powerhouses keep guys that they've identified under the radar, don't have the cachet, don't have the four and the five stars next to them, but who are highly regarded. And interestingly enough, that it hasn't really happened that way. Top guys are all signing early for the most part. They're all going to the same schools they go to anyway, and not much has changed. So if not much is going to change as a fan, uh, give me the old system. You know, give me the day in February when everybody is kind of running around like a chicken with their heads cut off, trying to figure out, all right, who's going to be, uh, who's going where? Is this going to determine where somebody else goes? It, it was just, it was chaotically fun, and that's kind of gone. So uh, I'm keeping eyes on, on what the Big 12 has going on here. What's climbing going to do? What can Les Miles do? Uh, Matt Wells and Neil Brown. I mean, those are 7 through 10 in the Big 12 recruiting rankings right now, and they're all the new head coaches as well. So they've got some work on their hands, and that's what's going to be interesting for those four teams over the next two weeks. Uh, outside of that, there's not going to be much drama anymore at the top. Um, Tate Martell ends up picking. Let me just touch on this real quickly on the transfer recruiting news. Tate Martell, Ohio State quarterback, ends up picking Miami over West Virginia. Um, Austin Kendall ends up going to West Virginia from Oklahoma. Good job by, well, I should say this. I ripped the Sooners last week. I gave them a hard time. I said they had no business trying to block in any way Austin Kendall from going to West Virginia. He had graduated. He was you know, fully graduated. He didn't bounce after a year. He gave him his time, and he's leaving. OU trying to make a call there to block him from going to West Virginia was one of the pettier things I've ever seen. And I love OU. I love Lincoln Riley. I love what he has built. But I thought that was a bad move, a bad look, and I'm glad that OU rescinded trying to not not block Austin Kendall from playing at West Virginia, but at least making him sit out a year. I thought it was it was just cheap. You know, it, it's something to be said for the fact that you've won four straight Big 12 titles. I'm not saying you got to share the wealth, but if West Virginia does that to Oklahoma, it's different. If Oklahoma does it to West Virginia, it doesn't look good. And you can say, well, that's not fair. You know, it's got to be the same on both ends. No, it's called a gray area. 
All right. I mean, that's that's how life works. There's a massive gray area. And I know in the media, whether it's sports or news, politics, whatever you want to talk about, we don't like to talk about the gray area. It's not sexy to talk about the gray area. But if we're being fair and being honest, there is a massive gray area. And this was a great example of OU looking like the uh, schoolyard bully and not allowing a kid who stayed there for several years, didn't get a shot, graduated, wants to go play to try to see if he can further his future and telling him sorry. Oh, and by the way, on the same day, you bring in Jalen Hurts. I mean, geez, could OU try to look worse in that situation, all right? So good job by OU coming to their senses and saying, you know what, go enjoy your time in Morgantown. Uh, It's not going to have a big effect here. You know, I had people bring this up to me. Because I made the point, I wrote about this last week, and I made the point and I said, the whole thing about knowing the playbook is way overblown. Way overblown. Somebody brought up to me and they said, well, what about uh, Bill Belichick? He lost to the Lions this year and he lost to the Titans this year. And, you know, he had former assistant coaches there that were head coaches. Or he had former assistants of his who were head coaches of those teams. Matt Patricia, of course, in Detroit. And uh, who the heck's the Titans head coach? Is it Vrabel? I'm not a big NFL guy. Titans, uh, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. So these are guys with ties, of course, to Bill Belichick, and these are guys that know the system. Belichick is 12-5 and five against former Patriots assistants, I believe is the number. So I, it, this is a small sample size, a very small sample size. I had it right. It was Vrabel. But that whole thing is way overblown, right? way overblown, especially in the college ranks especially in the college ranks. So glad OU made that move. Um, Let's talk about this because this is something that should be getting more attention. You know, if you're a fan of the Oklahoma Sooners, if you're a fan of the Texas Longhorns, I believe you should want the Big 12 to stay intact, right? I think that you should want the Big 12 to be a conference that you basically own and operate. If you go to the SEC, you're going to have to deal with Alabama, Auburn, LSU, A&M. You're going to have to do all that again. If you go to the Big Ten, you got to deal with Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, you don't run your own conference, which is kind of how OU and uh, Texas have it right now. And I know the other eight fan bases are going to freak out. You're going to say, well, they shouldn't own it. Listen, they own it. You can deny that. You can pretend like it's not true. You can get all butthurt about it. Or you can just admit that that's how it works. That's the deal. And you should be happy about that. And here's why. There was a story this week that talked about UConn. You know, University of Connecticut, good basketball program, used to be in the Big East. And the Big East got blown up, at least as a football conference. They end up in the AAC. Well, there's a problem here for UConn. UConn is not ruling out eliminating some sports to close a $40 million gap in the athletic department budget. $40 million gap. What happened? I mean, their revenues are only $40 million. The expenses are $80 million. Football lost $9 million at UConn. Basketball lost $5 million. What happened? TV money dried up. The school reportedly received $7 million in conference distribution funds last year, another million dollars in media rights. Compare that to the Big 12, where schools are getting $35 million. The SEC, they're getting $40 million. Big 10's getting $38 million. 
if you're a fan of Iowa State, if you're a fan of Kansas State, if you're a fan of Texas Tech, I love all of you. I love all your universities. I have a I have a soft place in my heart for every university in this conference. There's that one that is that I dislike. I enjoy them all. I love them all in their own way. You know, I, I view them as like my kids. I didn't go to a Big 12 school, so I don't have a bias towards one of them. When Big 12 teams play each other, I root for a great game. When Big 12 teams play at a conference, I pull like hell for the Big 12. But if you're being honest, if the Big 12 blows itself up, is Iowa State going to end up in the Big 10? Making 40 million bucks a year? Could Iowa State end up in some Midwest version of the AAC making $7 million in media rights and going from a legit Power Five conference who can pay Matt Campbell three to $4 million a year to basically hoping like hell to uh, not lose as much money, not lose too much money, and therefore maybe you can pay a coach half a million bucks, maybe you pay him a million, million and a half? You don't want to end up in that situation. Which is why, you know, this kind of reiterates a point that I make. Texas and Oklahoma should be happy in the Big 12 Conference. There's a lot to like about the deal that they have basically running the show. But on the flip side, if you are a fan, an alum, whatever it might be, of a non-traditional, basically anybody else in the Big 12, you should hope like hell that as we get closer to these TV contracts renewing, that first off, there's competition because if it's just Fox and ESPN bidding against each other, uh, that's not ideal. You know, you want more people bidding for your product. But you should also want the Big 12 to stay intact. And if you're Oklahoma State, maybe you say, oh, I don't care. OU's going to take us wherever they go. They might. You know, they almost took you to the Pac-12 a bunch of years ago, right? They might. You know, Texas Tech might say, hey, we'll go wherever Texas goes. Okay, maybe you will. You got no guarantee of that. Your guarantee right now is in the Big 12. Your guarantee is 35 to $40 million in this conference right now. That's what matters. That's what counts. So I know conference realignment talk is not for a while, thank goodness. But, you know, I saw this UConn story, the fact that they're losing $40 million bucks a year. They might be cutting sports. Uh, the fact that they only made $7 million in... Uh, conference distribution funds and another million dollars in media rights. And I thought, geez, that could be half the teams in the Big 12 tomorrow if OU and Texas try to blow this thing up. So I hope they don't. For my sake, I love the conference the way it is. I know many of you do as well. Uh, but keep this story in the back of your mind as we talk about it throughout the offseason. Well, coming up, it is time to demolish the AP poll. I'll explain next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, if you ever needed a reason to finally abolish the AP poll in both football and basketball, I've uh, I finally got the reasoning for you. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, where you're independent Big 12, a digital media outlet. We appreciate you being a part of the show. So uh, Gary Parrish writes for CBS Sports. He had a very good piece here. He, he, I guess every week he does this. I haven't read this on a weekly basis, I'll admit it. But I saw it as I was perusing through Twitter here over the last few days. It was about the AP poll. So OU went 0-2 last week. They lost at home to unranked Kansas State, 74-61. 
then lost 75-72 at unranked Texas on Saturday. So they're now 2-4 and four in Big 12 play. Sooners are 2-4 and four in their past six games, obviously, as a result. So there was one AP voter, according to Gary Parrish, that still ranked the Sooners at 17th. OU is 3-5 and five against top 50 Ken Palm teams. And not only that, but this voter moved OU up three spots. You have got to be bleeping kidding me. I'd say it if we were not just on a pod. If we were just on the podcast, I would have said it. But this show airs on several radio stations across several states in Big 12 country. We're on in Texas, Kansas, uh, Missouri, uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma. Did I say them? No. Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, West Virginia. We're on in all these states on different radio stations. And then, of course, on the podcast. So I can't just be dropping curse words. But you know I want to. Like, hell, I'm dying to. So who is this person? This person is Lauren Brownlow of WRAL 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I'd love to ask her, you know, first off, how many games of OUs you've seen? Secondly, have you even looked at OU's schedule? Have you even seen what they did the last couple of weeks? Justify not only leaving OU in the top 25, but moving them up to 17th, up three spots after they lose two games. All right, K-State's good. Texas stinks. I mean, you can argue Shaka Smart should be in the hot seat. I've got a whole thing on Shaka Smart later. This guy, uh, you know, Rick Barnes has the number one team in the country. Shaka Smart hasn't won an NCAA tournament game since he was canned. Who got the better of that deal? My goodness. But anyway, Gary Parrish writes this, well done in CBS Sports. And it, the idea is the following. you got to get rid of the AP poll. It is meaningless. It is absolutely meaningless in this day and age to have this poll. First off, you got SIDs that are ranking teams based on whatever helps themselves. You got writers and radio people and TV guys who have their heads so far up their rear ends, they don't know left from right anymore. Uh, there is no reason to have this thing. It is antiquated. It is rarely based on who is actually one of the top 25 teams. It's oftentimes just who's hot, who's having a good week, uh, who's had a good couple of weeks. It is not actually a, So just get rid of it. I'm not saying replace it with anything. Don't replace it with anything. Don't bother. You know, and it's a crutch, I think, for the college football playoff committee at times. I'd love to see how the college football playoff committee would actually handle things without an AP poll. I know they'll say they don't look at it or it's just a very small part of their process. It's it's not really about, um, you know, the polls. But we're all human beings. We all look at the polls. We all know what the polls say. And polling time and time again has proven to simply be a song and a dance. Yeah, it's usually accurate at the top, but after that, it's a total crapshoot. Once you get outside the top 10, maybe 12, arguably 15, 15 to 25 in college football and college basketball, you could sway them anyway, any given week, uh, no matter what. You could justify 40 teams being in those places. So why are we doing it? It just feels like something that is, um, it's so like, it reminds me of like Newt Rockney, you know? It reminds me of Bear Bryant. I, not only these guys are relevant, they're dead. I move on. 
Try to win your conference. Play the conference games. Force people to look at standings. I know that's a novel concept, but force people to look at conference standings. I, that matters far more than anything to do with some ranking by some SID who hasn't watched uh, 24 of the top 25 teams because he's only watching his own, and he's just ranking the teams whatever's going to help his own program. That's it. That's how these things are done. So if you needed an example, if you needed another explanation on making sure the college or the uh, top 25 rankings are, are toast, this is a great one. And if you don't follow Gary Patterson and read this article every week, I highly recommend you do it because he's now calling out some of these people that have top 25 votes who are totally butchering those top 25 votes and have no business playing a part in what's going on. And you know and I know it oftentimes and can co cost these coaches their jobs or save their jobs if they end up in the top 25, if they're outside the top 25, because we get bogged down in these nonsensical rankings by some reporter who's not paying attention. And it costs people their jobs and livelihoods, and that's just wrong. Evaluate them based on the job that they do, not some phony number next to it. More coming up next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So as you look at, you know, the uh, NFL draft, which of course is coming up in a couple of months, but one thing I wanted to look at is how the Big 12 was going to be affected by it. So I put together a whole list of, of which team had players leaving uh, the conference and going to the NFL early. And I said, okay, who is getting hurt most by these early entries? Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollege.com. Thanks for joining us as always. So I, I put this up on the website. I wrote a little something on it, but I wanted to share it with you here. And I put together, okay, who is getting hurt the most by these early entries? And I ranked those teams. And there are some huge names that are leaving early. The team that's getting hurt most, and I know that they can handle it. I know they reload. Uh, they don't rebuild. And that's the Oklahoma Sooners. But OU's losing five offensive players in just early entries to the draft. They include Kyler Murray, Rodney Anderson, Marquise Brown, Bobby Evans, and Cody Ford. With Evans and Ford out of the picture, OU now has four offensive linemen they got to replace in 2019. I'm not saying it's going to affect the offense. It's not. Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. But to lose that kind of talent, I don't care who you are, I, that takes its toll on the team. That's something every team has to work through. And, yeah, you'd rather have guys like that returning. I understand why every one of them are leaving. Anderson's been hurt. I mean, the guy – I feel terrible for him, but he's hurt every time he steps on the field. He had one good season. Go try to make some money. Uh, Brown, little guy, go try to make some money. Murray, we know his story. Same with the offensive lineman. Go make your money. Go do you. Go do what you're going to do. I don't blame him one bit, but it's not going to be easy to replace those guys. The team that was hurt the second most in the Big 12 by early entries, Iowa State. Now, they only lost two guys. Other teams lost more. But when David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler are walking out that door and going to the NFL uh, off of two seasons at Iowa State that helped the program put together its best back-to-back -back seasons in nearly 20 years, that stings. I knew Montgomery would go. He's a running back. Those running backs only got so many carries in their body, go. The guy finished first or second in the conference. 
I think he was first in the conference over Alex Barnes by one carry for most carries in the Big 12. Go. He had 250-something carries. Butler a little more surprised by, but I'll tell you what. He is so gifted. He has the ideal body. He is going to get – somebody is going to – I don't want to say overdraft Hakeem Butler because I think he's a good guy with great skills that were just hidden up until the last couple of years in Ames. But somebody's going to fall in love with with Hakeem Butler. So I don't blame him for doing it. If he's got his head on straight, I have no reason to believe he doesn't. It's the right move. It's the smart move. But consistency was still an issue. I'll say this, too, about Iowa State. Tom Manning's back in the mix. As their offensive coordinator, he left for the Indianapolis Colts for a a season as the tight ends coach there. He's back running the offense in Ames. I think that might be one of the most underrated storylines going into 2019 for the Iowa State Cyclones. That's a big deal. Number three team, when we talk about early entries, um, teams affected the most. Kansas State. Alex Barnes is gone. Guy led the Big 12 at 113 rushing yards per game. Had 250-plus carries. I get why he's leaving. But Kansas State was already losing two running backs to graduation. Program didn't take a true running back in the class of 2018. Great job, Bill Snyder. And they basically have no backfield in 2019. Got to recruit a running back there, Chris Kleiman. Try to find one in the next two weeks if you can, buddy. Going to need it. I mean, geez. So I don't blame them for going. Once again, running back, you go when you can. You go as early as you can. Smart move. But leaves the Wildcats in a tough spot. That program's not built uh, to to sling it around. Uh, yeah, Skylar Thompson should be better next year. They have Hunter Risen transferring in, but uh, you still got to have a running game at Kansas State. West Virginia, David Long is gone. Big loss, no doubt about it. Not quite as big as Barnes in my book, but it's a big loss and a big deal for that program as they try to you know rebuild under Neil Brown and handing off the reins from Dana Holgerson. Guy that was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, replacing him is not going to be easy for Neil Brown. Oklahoma State, I put at five. They're losing three guys who are good players. Justice Hill at running back, uh, Tyron Johnson at wide receiver, and defensive end Jordan Brailford. Outside of Brailford, I'm not overly concerned. you got Chuba Hubbard at running back. Tyron Johnson was solid, but i got to be honest. When he came from LSU... I just expected more, and maybe it's because it was such a crowded uh, wide receiver course, you know, and you had guys like James Washington last year. You had Tylen Wallace this year. He never was the star. He was better this year, or he was more productive, I should say, but I thought he was going to be a guy that was going to light it up in Stillwater. He never did. Maybe he's leaving out of frustration. I don't know where he gets drafted or if he gets drafted, but I was surprised to see that. And, uh, you know, Brelford's a big loss. Probably the toughest loss. He had nine sacks. But once again, I get it. And then last but not least, Antoine Wesley leaving Texas Tech, the sixth of the team, sixth team in the Big 12 who has a player leaving early for the NFL draft. The reason they're affected the least, even though Wesley came out of nowhere to lead the Big 12 in receptions and yards, is because it's Texas Tech. there's no shortage of wide receivers there in Lubbock. You know, Cliff Kingsbury left a decent stable. not saying anyone's going to lead the Big 12 in yards and and receptions, but I'll just say, you know, when you talk about this program, especially right now, even with Kingsbury gone, there is plenty of depth at that position. 
you'd like to have Wesley back, but Antoine Wesley, as good as he is, is not going to be the reason that Texas Tech doesn't have the success that maybe the fan base thinks it should have next year under Matt Wells. And I was laughing to myself. Imagine if Cliff Kingsbury goes out there in the desert of Arizona, uh, takes Josh Rosen, turns him into like this stud Pro Bowl quarterback, while Matt Wells, and I don't want to see this, but you know, Matt Wells falls flat on his face and he's winning five games a year in Lubbock. How's the fan base going to feel? I'm pulling for Matt Wells. I want him to win. I've admitted many times over I thought it was a mistake to let Cliff Kingsbury go. But, geez, that would be uh, maybe jumping off buildings of Lubbock if that happened. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, heartlandcollegesports.com. Always appreciate you joining us. Be part of the show. Any platform, we appreciate it. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. We crank up our music Friday nights On 2,000 country stations Yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right Thanks, guys. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Email me, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com for the koozie. We'll get it to you. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.